Philippians chapter 2. This is part 11 in the book of Philippians, and we're only in chapter 2, and we're going over the same text over and over again. I don't know what you guys are doing out there, but I'm getting fed, so I hope you guys are getting fed as well. Read with me verse 12. Paul says, therefore, again, we're going to try and connect the dots, my beloved, he loves them. As you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, duh, but now much more in my absence. It's time to grow up. This is a good time in your life, isn't it? When you begin to do the right thing when no one's watching. Isn't that a good time? It's easy to do the right thing when you know you're going to get examined. There's going to be a review. You know, there's going to be a record. It's easy, you know, you walk into the bank and the, the cameras are rolling. You're like, ah, oh, don't rob anybody. You know, it's pretty easy to do that. But when you know you can get away with stuff, you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. He said, obey even more in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He finally waits until chapter 2, verse 12 to say, guys, I love you, I love you. Jesus loves you, we love you, we all love you, we love you, we love you. Hey, by the way, keep growing. Don't stop right there. There's more to do. There's more to learn. There's more to work out. You can't work for your salvation. He didn't say work for your salvation. He said work it out. You own it now. It's kind of like having a field field or a farm or something that produces fruit and you're like oh, i hope it produces fruit for me you're supposed to work it out that field will produce as much fruit as you help it to produce it's designed to produce fruit but if you just sit back on your blessed assurance and hope it just works out for you it's not going to how many gardeners we got in the house any gardeners anybody plant stuff okay i get my garden stuff at fred meyers they sell it to me right there it's awesome they got, they got everything you know strawberries and stuff like all that stuff ready to go you guys can keep growing it that's fine Here's the thing about growing, though. When you grow your own produce, man, you got to work at it. You can't just go to bed and hope it works. you got to feed it. you got to grow it. you got to protect it. How many of you guys plant weeds right next to your strawberries? You all just plant those weeds and stuff, you know, dandelions. You all plant that? You don't plant that stuff. It just shows up. Man, it's work. It's a good, it's a good work, too. Keep growing. Okay, we need you guys. Keep growing. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then he gives us some hope. Oh, this is so good. Verse 13, 4, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. This is so rad. I'm so glad he put this verse right there on the heels of, hey, work it out. Don't stop. Keep going. Why? Because God's going to actually do it for you too. This is great news. If you've been walking with the Lord for a little bit of time, you've realized that he doesn't do it without you, okay? But you can't do it without him. He needs you. My pastor put it this way. Without him, I can't. Without me, he won't. Without him, I can't. Same question. (laughs) Can we get some coffee for everybody? Without me, he... Okay, we're not getting there, but that's okay. I'll say it for you guys. Without me, he won't. Without him, I can't. It's both and. He won't do without you. But without him, I can't do it. With him, I can do all things. And he says here that he's going to work that out. Look at verse 14. Oh, no, get ready. Slap you in the face right here. Do all, we did this last week, do all things without complaining and disputing. And let me just make sure and connect this dot real quick before you go into sermon mode and tune me out and think about your lunch. He says, work out your salvation. Uh Uh-oh, because God's going to work it in you. Oh, that's good news. And then he says, by the way, stop complaining. About, stop complaining about what? He uses the word all. 
Now, when people study this verse, verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing, they like to do a word study on complaining and disputing. And what are these words? Most people do a word study on that word all, though. That he can't mean all. Not all, all, all. Right? And here's the big idea. Check this out. When you complain about anything, in essence, you're saying you don't trust the Lord in everything. Yeah, yeah, but they did this, Pastor Luke. I saw it. They did bad stuff. Oh, they did bad stuff? Oh, they're doing bad things in in Washington? Oh, they're doing bad things? It's unjust? It's unfair? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's not hard to discern. God knows. He understands. And God will use the things that are unjust, hard to understand in this world, listen, to accomplish his perfect will. He's been doing it since the beginning. Have you read the book? Read the Old Testament. And that book is cray cray. God using pagan kings, godless environments, crazy situations to accomplish his perfect will. And it is by and large the men and women, listen, I'm gonna say it, who complain, who miss out on it. Who complain, who get struck with leprosy in their bodies. Who complain, God overlooks them and goes to other men and women who volunteer and say, I'll be used. This is big time. If you plan on living for another five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever your plan is, the trajectory, stop complaining about stuff and just trust the Lord. Work out your salvation. Oh, and don't complain about anything. What should you be worked on, working on and worried about? That person in the circle. The person in the circle. He goes on. This is all good news to me. I'm preaching my sermon. I'm just trying to read the Bible. You guys, we've got to get in the sermon here in just a minute. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh Uh-oh, verse 15. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Is that not your goal? To be blameless and harmless and a person of light? Yeah, I want to do that. Stop complaining. Work out your salvation. Mind your own business. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Don't get caught up in all the things. This is modeled throughout all of history in the scriptures. If, if anybody in the scriptures were to complain about the things going on around them, it would be Jesus Christ. Gets to Jerusalem. They don't recognize him. Oh, man, what a jip. Can't believe you guys didn't welcome me. No party, no nothing. The Romans are oppressing his people. Oh, man, this was bad. Jesus didn't complain. Do you, ever, do, you have, do you know any verses where Jesus complained? Anybody have any verses off the top of their head? Just murmuring, complaining Jesus, just grumbling. (laughs) Okay, email Pastor Toby if you find one. He goes on to say this, verse 16, holding fast, this is his word to a church he loves, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He's saying, guys, I want you to stay firm in the word because I don't want to waste my life if you guys waste your life. Verse 17, yes, and if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. In other words, verse 17, if I get killed doing what I'm doing, I'm okay with it. Getting poured out as a drink offering, that's a real fancy way of saying, if they kill me, if I'm sacrificed, if my life goes out in a blaze of glory. Verse 18, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. How do I want you guys to respond at my nearing death? Throw a party. Get fired up. Oh, by the way, plan your own party. That's what he's saying. And he wants us to be those men and women who are so sold out to the cause of Christ, to the mission of Jesus, to walking with him for his glory and for others' good that nothing dissuades us, not even you or me. 
And he starts out in verse 12. This is where we're going to be today. Therefore. Last week I gave you two reasons why the therefore is therefore. Why does he want us now to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? The therefore is because of verses 5 through 11. Because Jesus did. Because Jesus, let this mind be in you, verse 5, that was also in Christ Jesus who humbled himself and lived the way he did. Because of what Jesus, and isn't it fun to always point you back to Jesus? That was the whole message last week. Just point back to Jesus. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? What is Jesus doing? Because of that, because Jesus did it as an example for us and as a gift to us, now you're to deny yourself and to walk differently. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't fall into the two separate ditches. The ditch we learned about last week was the ditch of excess and abuse where people think we have to stay saved by our works and efforts. Eh, You're saved by what Jesus did. But then there's a bigger ditch over here where I think most evangelical American Christians are. Once saved, always saved. I don't have to do anything. I'm just waiting for for the J train to pick me up. I'm waiting to go to heaven. I got my rapture pants on, doing rapture practices all day. You know, I'm just ready to go. Y'all do rapture practices? Figure it out. And he says, no, 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 don't do that, work. Stay out of the ditch of laziness, apathy. One of the terms we've memorized here in our men's group, and I'm trying to spread it into all of our groups, is reject passivity. We're all passive. We don't always wait for somebody else. Accept responsibility, own it, step into it, and then lead courageously. And then in your entire life, invest eternally. Do it. This is what he's asking us to do, work out your salvation. Let me give you a third reason. Not just because of the example of Jesus. Oh, Jesus did. I, I could do it. And the gift of Jesus. Jesus did it for you. Look at verses 10 and 11. Jump back with me. I haven't read these yet. This is brand new. It's actually not new at all because I read it a couple weeks ago. But Paul is giving us deep theology and he talks about the rest of the world. Here's what he says. He says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth that at every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is crazy. Paul declares that every single person in the entire world, past, present, and future, will bow the knee and worship Jesus Christ. Okay, some for salvation now Some on that day in judgment for condemnation. They'll bow the knee and be separated like goats and sheep. It's not going to be a good day. Here's my point. Paul says, therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why for? Because everybody's going to be judged. Because it's going to go down. Every single person you know is going to stand before a, a holy God and there's going to be a replay. And wouldn't it be a tragedy if in the replay of their life you were in the background doing nothing? Right before they got judged and sent out, in the background you're eating cotton candy, you know, and playing the yo-yo, whatever you're doing. I believe what Paul is saying here, connecting these verses, is because every single person is going to face the judgment, and you are ambassadors and witnesses now, your life counts. That little circle of your revival, it's not just for your enjoyment, it's that the light would shine before other people. You're ambassadors. Jesus gave his life so others would see who God is. And he says, now I want you to do the same thing. Please go do that. It's very, very serious. It's very important. And I need to be reminded of this because I don't always look at people that way. I don't look at the lost that way. I was in Portland yesterday, yesterday, Friday and Thursday. I went there for my birthday and hung out with my family. And if you guys know anything about Portland, it's weird. You ever been to Portland before? Man, it's cray cray. (laughs) There's a lot of people, I teach my kids this. In Portland, it's a little different because they got 3Ds. They got density. Okay, it's tight. And there's a lot of people, and there's diversity, a lot of different people, and there's depravity. It's gone wild. 
And because of the density and the diversity and the depravity, it's kind of one of those things you just kind of walk around, you take your shoes off before you go in the hotel, don't bring the Portland in the hotel room, you know, and you, go, you know, it's kind of crazy. And yet, when I go to Portland or to Walmart, why is that funny? Or to Fred Myers or JC Market or Safeway or my neighborhood or the school, when I go anywhere, God wants me to see people, okay, as his sons and daughters. When Paul went to Athens, it was kind of like Portland, kind of like a Portland mega Walmart. It was crazy. And he went to Athens, and the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 17, that when he, listen, when he saw that the city was given over to idols, the Bible says that he was torn in his heart. Torn. Not mad, not frustrated, not judgmental. He was torn. And instantly he went to work, he went to the synagogue met with the Jews there, strengthened them, prayed for them. He went to the city square, prayed for them, strengthened them. He went to the gathering areas. He went, he went for it. He was working out his salvation for other people because everyone's gonna have that day where they're bowing their knee and confessing that Jesus is Lord. And now is go time. Now is the only time of salvation. Why is it important for you to take your Christianity seriously? Because you're gonna get in trouble if you don't? No. Because you're gonna feel bad if you don't? No. Because other people... God designed it this way. And their salvation is connected to how seriously you let your light so shine. A couple years ago, I was training this CrossFit class. I was coaching. I don't really coach that much anymore. I don't have time. And I remember I was coaching this CrossFit class, and it was 5.30 in the morning or 8.30. I can't remember either way. I didn't want to be there. And these athletes were working out, and I was like, what am I doing? And I was kind of musing. And I've shared this story before. I was like, Lord, what am I doing here? I got other things to do. I'd rather be sleeping if I'm honest. What am I doing here? And the Lord whispered to my heart. And he said, not everyone that signed up for this class right now is on their way to heaven. Some of them are going to hell. I said, okay, I'll I'll be here then. I'll be here. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.14 that through Christians, God diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Your witness, your presence, the Holy Spirit in you is so important. You might not give yourself a high score on the grade or whatever you're doing or whoever you are, your personality type or your giftings, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with the spirit of Christ in you. He's in you everywhere you go. And as you make more room for him, get comfortable with him, say, Lord, use me. Work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I believe all of this is Paul's heart as a pastor to his friends there in Philippi that they wouldn't miss out on what God has for them. Then he gives us some, I'm gonna say, good news. Because that, that, that can come across as real harsh, like, oh, man, I gotta do some stuff. But wouldn't it be horrible if we left this church this morning and didn't do anything differently? And maybe you've got a list that you're keeping right now, things that you need to do differently. I've got a list in my mind. I just had a birthday on, on Friday. And uh, thank you for happy birthday right now. That was really good. Good timing there. Supposed to say, thank you. Happy birthday. Yeah. It's the 9 a.m. It's the 9 a.m. It's okay. You guys are fine. And as I turned 44, I know I only look like I'm 24, but I'm 44. And as I turned 44, the Lord put on my heart. He said, Luke, you need to write your mission statement this year. You need to write a vision statement for yourself. What do you want to, what do, you want to do? Who do you want to be? Within that is the things you don't want to be, the things you don't want to do. Write those things down, because if you don't write those things down, if you don't order those things in your life, if you don't make a little running list of things you want to do or not do, you're not going to do anything. 
You're just going to wake up and do the exact same thing you've done. We're creatures of habit. And I would encourage you, okay, ask what the Lord wants you to do differently. Not in a way of judgment or condemnation, but conviction and coaching and cheering and equipping. The Lord says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that may come across real heavy. Let's go to the next verse and keep going. Take a breath, everyone. Go into verse 13. For it is God, wow, that's good news. I've got that underlined, who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's God who's going to do the work. This is so good because you could become an Armenian on accident and say, oh man, I gotta figure it out, I gotta do all the things and it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me and grab your bootstraps and pull yourself up and all that silly stuff. It's not gonna work that way. But what you can do is partner and co-op with the Lord and say, Lord, have your way in my life. You do through me, with me, in me what you have determined from before eternity began. And let me say this, God made you on purpose for such a time as this. There are no accidents, there are no has-beens, there are no whoopsies, there are no whatevers, there are you for such a time as this. And if you're alive right now, pulse check. Okay, that's a good thing. God's given you a pulse right now. Isn't it crazy that we're alive in 2022? Isn't that nuts? Wouldn't it have been total bummer to be alive in the year like 1200? All they had was like instant coffee and no internet, just like total bummer bubonic plague for breakfast like what you're alive right now what a gift and let me encourage you paul declares emphatically right here it's god who works in you both to will and to do when god made you he made you for a reason he made you for specific purposes he made you for specific ministries he made you exactly the way you are And let me speak that over your life right now because I believe some of you are probably frustrated right now with where you're at in this journey. You're like, well, I thought I'd be a lot further than I am right now, you know? I remember when my pastor, he turned 50 years old on his birthday. He said, one thing about turning 50 is I thought for sure I'd be a lot further than I am right now. And when I heard that, I kind of took the wind out. I was like, really? Because you're pretty old, bro. And yet here's the good news. God has preordained for you good works for you to walk in. Ephesians 2.10. And you might be frustrated right now in challenging that because you're not exactly where you want to be, but if you're at least honest a little bit, you're really glad you're not where you used to be. I can say that. I'm really glad I'm not where I used to be. And I anticipate that where I am is not where I'm going to be, but that God's going to continue to do a work for me, in me, and through me. And there's things in your life, listen please, right now that he cannot do in the future until he does something in the now in you. He has to change and mold and shape your character now in order for you to do the things in the future. Do you believe that? Do you believe him and trust him? And when he takes something away from you, you're like, oh, why did you take that? He says, I'm shaping you. I'm forming you. Trust me. Well, explain yourself, Lord. Explain how this makes sense 10 years from now. He's like, I won't do that. Remember when Joseph had that dream and impression upon his heart that God would use him, do something in him and through him? And he began to develop it in his own mind and he told his dad, he's like, dad, crazy, but I think you and mom one day will follow me and so will the brothers and you're all gonna kind of bow down to me, it's crazy. And his dad slapped him around a little bit and said, don't ever talk like that again. He's like, oh, my bad. And he went and told his brothers and they slapped him around and he kept having dreams about it. This was what God put on his heart, but it wasn't working out that way at the very beginning. He had to go through some seasons of disappointment, seasons of testing, seasons of challenges. 
Eventually, God put upon him a task from his dad. He says, go give the food to the brothers and bring back a report. Go, go lead them, in essence. And he brought back a bad report because they were doing bad stuff. And it didn't go to his favor. They sold him as a slave. He went into some sort of suffering and all kinds of testing. And many, 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 listen, many, many, I'm not going to go, many, many years went by of testing before the Lord brought him to the fulfillment of the vision that he put on him as a young boy through trials, through testing, through imprisonment, through betrayal, through failure, through hardship, through the things he went through in order to become the man he was destined to be. This is so cool. Because we, we're Americans, right? A couple of us. Where are you all from, you know? And we're entitled, man. We're Americans. We're entitled. I can do, you know, I got rights, bro. I can do whatever I want. I get my stuff. Did you know that if you're a Christian, you're really not an American? You're a citizen of another nation? And while we have our rights here, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I really am for my citizenship on it, for, to be an American. I'm, I'm grateful. I, don't get me wrong. But when we apply our rights to the Lord, say, Lord, I can, you know, this and that, and it's not really working out, and I kind of wanted to file a complaint. Is there a complaint box here in heaven? Where's the complaint box out? And, and you remember the next verse? He says, don't complain. Well, I got some complaints. Yeah, don't do that. Hmm? What if JoJo started complaining? This is horrible. Potiphar's house. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> he didn't do that. This prison sucks. You know, he didn't do that. Remember when he got to prison? He was the best prisoner that jailer had ever had. He even worked in Egypt. Like, this is horrible. No, no. God was shaping in him and using his present circumstances to do a work because God had chosen Joseph for such a purpose as he chose Joseph for. Now, let me again give you a little encouragement because some of you right now are frustrated because you're not where you want to be. Some of you want to be in full-time ministry and it hasn't happened yet. Some of you want to be used more and it just hasn't happened yet. Some of you want to, you're single this morning and, and you want to be married and you're like, why am I not married? Why, haven't that, why hasn't that happened yet? Some of you here want a family. You don't have a family. Maybe you're a mom here or you're a woman and you want to be a mom and it hasn't been granted to you yet. That hasn't been your privilege to walk in. There's something out there and until you get that out there, you're not happy. You're not fulfilled. You're not the person you want to be and God says, hey, hang on. Hang on. It's me who works in you, both to will and to do for my good pleasure. I'm not done yet. And because we're Americans, to tie that up, we kind of want it now. Can I just get it now? And actually, in ways that are, I would say, unadvised, you can get a lot of stuff right now. You can fast-track that thing. You can get this. You can make that happen. You can, you can do all these things, and God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Trust me. Don't complain. But I don't like the way I'm, I'm, I don't like the way I'm born. I don't like the way I live. I don't like these things. And God says, I know, because you're broken in a broken world. Trust me. Let me do a work in you. Don't judge me or my goodness or this world or your life based on your circumstances right now. This coming August will be 12 years since my wife and I were called by God to come to Newport and to replant South Beach Church. And so grateful for God's call in our life to do that and all the many memories and the many seasons in the last 12 years. But one of the things that's most profound to me is that when I got here in 2010, I'd been previously pastoring at a church for 10 years as an associate pastor. And during those 10 years of associate pastoring and all the rest, there were certain seasons of my life where I would be kind of kicking against the goads and kind of frustrated with certain systems and kind of prideful and judgmental and all these things. When I got here, the Lord whispered to me, he's like, Luke, that whole time wasn't wasted. 
I was preparing you. And I had to repent. I was like, are you serious? I thought you were just messing with me. He said, yeah, I was messing with you. That's preparing you. And if I, had I known that everything in that season of my life was preparatory to come here and to, to be the pastor that God wanted me to be, and what if we decided to believe that everything you're experiencing right now is preparatory to be the person that you're going to be tomorrow? It's not going to be wasted. It's not bad. Don't complain. Embrace it. God has a purpose for you. Yeah, but I want to be like that person. I want to be like those people over there. And the Lord says, I decide who you're going to be, what you're going to go through, and I will work it out. And can I just give some more encouragement? God knows what's best for you. There's this temptation to emulate other people, to copy other people. There's biblical words too. To be jealous over other people, to covet other people. Man, I just want what they have. Man, I can't believe it. I go on their Facebook page every day and I just hate this person. <laughs> you see what they have, you know? And I just want what they have. Listen, trust me, trust me. God knows what is perfect and best for you. And he knows what is perfect and best for others. I remember at the Ashton Christian Fellowship, I'd recently given my life to the Lord and was serving there, and I was single at the time and just wanted to evangelize to as many people as possible. I wanted everyone to know Jesus in, in the way that I knew Jesus. And right next door to the Ashton Christian Fellowship was the Ashton Creek where we'd baptize people. And on the other side of the creek was a recycle center, which was really cool because the recycle center would make crashing glass sounds all Sunday long. And Pastor Andy Green would say, hey, we're kind of like the recycle center here at this church, you know, a bunch of people getting recycled. Anyways, not the story, but right next to the recycle center, they built a skate park. And I remember when they built the skate park, it was the same designers who built the skate park here in Newport and all up and down Oregon. They built skate parks all over. And when they built the skate park, I thought, oh Lord, you're so smart. You see, I had skated in middle school and high school here in Newport. And I was a pretty good skater, not bad at skating. I was like, oh Lord, that, you built that skate park for me. So I would be the skate pastor. <laughs> I see what you've done, Lord. And you're going to give me a skate anointing, aren't you? And I actually believe this to the core. You know, I was like, oh, he's going to give me a skate anointing. And so I went to Pastor Andy Green. I said, I believe the Lord's going to give me a skate anointing. I'm going to be the skate pastor, but I don't have any skate equipment. So I asked the church for money, and they gave me money to go to the skate shop and buy skateboards and equipment. Because I was like, this is it. And I remember I was trying to get, you know, back into skating. And so I showed up at 7 a.m. when nobody was there. I was like, all right, Lord, the anointing's going to start right now. And I remember dropping into this, like, five-foot inverted bowl. And I dropped in, and my wheel bit, and I flew off and, like, sprained my wrist and sprained my ankle. I was like, ah, you know, like, Lord, you know, true story. And I remember I went and healed. I didn't tell anybody. I was like, why are you limping? I was like, no, I'm not limping. You know, you're limping. And I remember I was, I was, and I went back like three weeks later when I could walk again. I was like, all right, let's try this again. And it happened again. And I remember I was like, Lord, did you, are you messing with me? I want to be the skate pastor. And the Lord said, no, you're not gonna be the skate pastor. Stop it. I don't even know why. I would have been a good skate pastor. It's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. If I were, I, I tell this to college kids when I get a chance to uh, go to college ministries, I said if I could tell my 20-year-old self anything, my 20-year-old Christian self, and this goes for everybody, it'd be don't spaz out in the process. Quit spazzing. Trust the Lord. Quit complaining. Quit wanting what other people have. Quit wanting to speed things up. Quit wanting to avoid certain tasks and responsibilities and certain lessons that the Lord wants you to walk through. 
Trust the Lord. It all counts. Everything. And when you argue or complain, in essence, what you're saying is, I do not trust you, Lord. Now, if I were to pull the audience here on paper and say, do you trust the Lord? You would all be smart enough to say, yep, I for sure do. You're not dumb. I for sure do. But then when you complain about your own life or their life or that life, in essence, what you're saying is, I don't trust the Lord. Now, let's just take that step further. We live in a pagan world. We live in a godless world, a rebellious world. Is it not easy? Is it not, is it, can you spot somebody who's rebellious against the Lord? Easy. Because of the way they act, the way they complain, the way they live their life. And yet what Paul is saying here is, is if you choose not to complain, but instead to embrace the situation you're in, okay, you'll be different than the world. You'll be like a light shining in the darkness, a perverse and crooked generation. This is going to take some effort and some decisions on your part. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust the Lord. This isn't actually my eternal home, okay? I can be okay with a little bit of chaos, As the world gets darker and weirder, I'm not saying we abdicate responsibility and sit back and don't vote properly, vote this Tuesday. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things and be active in our community. We should. But as the world gets darker, imagine, remember Jesus when he came to to Jerusalem and Rome was in charge? They had the thumb of Rome on Jerusalem and all the Pharisees and even Jesus' best friends are like, are you going to deliver us now? Are you going to set everything right? He's like, what? No. That's not what I'm here for. Not one stone will be left on top of another. This place is going down. Less than 40 years. They're coming in with tanks. It's over, bros. And they were offended. Oh, Jesus, the temple. It's taken 140 years to create this thing. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's going down. Stay focused on the kingdom of heaven. Stay focused. Because the rest of the world is running around like chicken little with its head cut off, crying the sky is falling. And if believers are living here in perfect peace, keeping their minds stayed upon him, how much more will you shine like a light in a crooked and perverse generation? How much more will you be yourself kept in perfect peace? Okay, this is a balance, isn't it? Work it out. Show up to the voting polls. Take part in community cleanup projects. Work out your salvation. Have an opinion. Have an avoid. But don't complain. Trust the Lord. You be you, I'll be me. And Paul gives us this direction. And he says, be careful. Because when you use your lips to complain against anybody, it is the most opposite of God you will ever be. Murmuring, complaining, disputing, arguing. I mentioned this last week, that your lips, your tongue have the power of life and death. There is no neutrality. Which one is it? James said that if you can tame your tongue, you can tame anything. Challenge accepted. I fail in this miserably. Do, do, do you? I fail. My tongue just, man, I can, it just starts going, saying stuff. And yet the Lord encourages us, careful, murmuring. Murmuring simply just giving reports on what everybody already knows. Murmur. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Murmur, murmur, murmur. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. You guys want to have a, another verse that's going to help you pull this off and walk in this? Not only don't complain, that's really going to help you not to murmur. It's going to help you to be who God asked you to be. Let me just say it one more time. God's not done with you. If God were done with you right now, if there was no more for you, no more redemption, no more restoration, no more development in your life, then maybe, yeah, look for the complaint box. Like, ah, this sucks. 
But if he promised to finish the work he began in you, if he promised to never leave you or forsake you, if he promised to use your story for his glory and for others' good, okay, you have no reason to complain right now. As a matter of fact, the darker your story, the greater his glory. Are things stacked against you? Have things been unfortunate for you? One of my favorite parts of Joseph's story is the very last chapter where his brothers are convinced, okay, now he's going to kill us. It's over. Like, he should kill us. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. No, he's happy. No. What you intended for evil, God redeemed for good. This is crazy. This is a day of good news. This is a day of good news. And so to look at your life that hasn't gone the way you wanted, the loss you've incurred, the difficulty that you're suffering right now, and to say God is going to redeem this. It's evil. It's not good. I'm not saying your situation's good, but God can redeem it for good. He goes on and he says, hey guys, here's how we're going to do this. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. These are big words, a big idea that Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. Guys, don't just sit there, work out your salvation, stop complaining, keep growing. How are we going to do that? Hold fast the word of God. Three A's. You got to appreciate the word of God. Appreciate it more than ever before. Okay, don't let it get dusty. You've heard it said before that this book will keep you away from sin and sin will keep you away from this book. A Bible that's fallen apart usually indicates a life that's not. Another tattoo. Just kidding, don't get that. And can I encourage you, if you're all messed up right now, if you're all jacked up, okay, you're not gonna get any better without a healthy appetite of God's word. It's not gonna happen. You need to eat. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. His word is more precious than gold or silver or food, the psalmist says. The longest chapter in the entire Bible is Psalm 119. It's 176 verses long. Every single verse is about the Bible. The longest book in the Bible is a chapter about the Bible, all about his word. How are you going to continue to walk? Hide his word in your heart. How are you going to be restored? Hide his word in your heart. How are you going to be ready for what's next? Hide his word in your heart. How are you going to be ready for anything? Hide his word in your heart. Hold fast to the word of God. Appreciate it. But don't just appreciate it. You gotta appropriate it. You gotta make it yours. I've said this before, but oftentimes when I'm not reading God's word, it's because I'm not really in the mood to apply God's word. You know what I'm saying? Because I know how this works. If I read his word, I gotta like do something. I can't just read it like, that's crazy, and shut it. It doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? You read his word, he's gonna slay you like a knife. He's like, ah, no. He does surgery. And when you read his word, I, it's a friend of mine, Ariel, I don't know if she's here. She, she was visiting, and she's a Coast Guard family. And she had a shirt printed up that said, Jesus said it, I believe it, that settles it. And I was, I was like, that's like, you know, such a truth. Jesus said it, I believe it, that settles it. Your flesh is all messed up. Your rebellious heart's all messed up. This world's all messed up. Don't just appreciate God's word, appropriate it. Whatever God says, believe it and accept it. Just as it, okay, I trust you, Lord. Work it out. Lord, I'm gonna trust you by faith. Hey, Lord, if it be your will, let me come out to you and walk on water. What a ridiculous request. I love Pete. Can I walk on water, Jesus? And Jesus, you know, checking the budget sheet's like, that's a waste of everything. There's zero reason to do that. That's just crazy. Yeah, come on out. Have you ever read the Bible and thought that's just a weird thing and I don't like that and that doesn't make sense and that's just, I don't trust the Lord. 
So Pete steps out of the boat. One of these days I'm going to fall off the stage. He steps out of the boat and walks on water. So too, when you step out in faith and say, I'm just going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe he's saying to put this thing down. I don't want to put this thing down. My flesh loves this thing, and I, I want this thing, and I need this thing. And the Lord's like, you don't need that thing. Set that thing down. And when you trust him, you're going to find a firm foundation to walk forward. Don't just appreciate it. Don't just appropriate it. But you've got to also then give it to others. You've got to duplicate it. You've got to give it to others. You want to be a person that makes it through this life? Become a Bible gal. Become a Bible guy. Give it to others. Appreciate it. Appropriate it. Duplicate it. Hold fast the word of truth. This is a direct conviction, I believe, from the Holy Spirit for this church, especially for this guy. Luke, if you want to keep going further. Luke, if you want to be faithful. Luke, if you want to run. What, is he, what, did, what did Paul say here? I'll read it to you. Holding fast the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Do you want to labor in vain or run in vain? No, you don't. Hold fast to the word of God. It's the only way. I'm so glad we're a Bible church. Aren't you guys glad we're a Bible church? We're a Bible church. And that means we're Bible guys and Bible gals. And I have to repent for the areas in my life where I've not picked up the sword enough, where dust has gathered, where I've been lazy, where I've been distracted. Maybe you would repent with me too where I've not been as serious about the things of God's word. There's no judgment. It's just obvious. We know when you skip leg day. We can tell. It's like, oh, you don't do legs? We know when we skip the word of God. Your spouse knows when you've been in the word of God and when you haven't, right? He goes on. I've got 10 more verses and we're done. Kidding. He says in verse 17, yes, and if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. <laughs> Paul, strength and honor. If I am poured out as a drink offering on your faith and your service, if while in Rome they kill me, and yet my investment in you bears fruit, so be it. I rejoice with you all. He goes on in the next verse. And he says, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Can you imagine getting this letter? You know Paul's going to die, and he says, I'm going to be killed, and yet not in vain. My offering poured out on you, a sacrifice, a drink offering, will bear fruit. And in this I rejoice. And would you rejoice with me in that twofold expression? Number one, that there's fruit being born. Number two, that I'm dying. We fear death in these days. I don't speak for you maybe, or even for myself, but you saw what happened in the pandemic. Everyone's afraid to die. Everyone's afraid to die. I'm not reckless, don't get me wrong. But Paul said, no, I'm, I'm going to die, and I want you to rejoice. I'm rejoicing, let's all party. Here's why, folks. Paul knew that after this life was the next life, and he knew that the best was yet to come. He knew that it wasn't about here. And he had a confidence then and a hope that was beyond this world. Do you have that confidence and hope that is beyond this world, beyond the economy, beyond what's going on, beyond the future, beyond wars, beyond oppression, beyond inequality, beyond all the things going on? Do you have hope beyond? If you do have that hope beyond, nothing can stop you. 
And I want to have that confidence everywhere I go, even as I age. How many of y'all aging out there? Man, aging sucks. I've said the word sucks like too many times today. I apologize. But I'm still not sorry. And yet, as you age in the Lord and trust him, would, would we age with confidence? I was reading this morning about the Impala, the little gazelle thing that lives in Africa and runs around. The Impala is amazing. Did you know that it can jump standing still 10 feet high to grab its fruit and its leaves? And at a full sprint, it can jump 33 feet in distance. I think it's a bird. And yet when you go to the Portland Zoo, you'll see the Impalas there, or any zoo, and they're kept behind three-foot fences. And they won't jump over because they can't see the other side. And Impalas are programmed, God designed them this way, to do amazing things, to have this confidence and this ability, but if they can't see, this is science, if they can't see where their feet are going to land, they won't do it. They don't have the confidence. They're inhibited. And so a little three-foot fence, yeah, you can't see the future. You don't know what's going to happen. And they're walking. I guess I'm stuck here. Paul knew the future. He knew what was to come. He says, guys, I'm going to be so confident. I'm in jail. I'm the happiest person that could be. Even when they bring me before Caesar Nero, I know the future. I can see it. And you who are believers here or at home watching online, you see the future. You know what's happening. You have no reason to have that frown upside down. Make it a smile and make sure people know that you have faith within for not only what God is doing now, but what God is going to do in the future. This changes everything. It's going to come from you holding fast to God's word. Don't complain about anything. Wouldn't it be rad if you chose to do that? Don't ever complain again. Do it. You will be the most attractive person. You'll be the most attractive person. Not not in a physical way, but people will love to be around you. They'll love to be around you. Because you radiate Jesus Christ and the hope that you have in him. And you'll bear the fruit. You'll be the most fruitful person. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, for the foundation that you've given to us, the food, Lord, that you've provided. And we ask in Jesus' name that we would take it deep within our soul. Lord, and I can't say that I've been not complaining this week what I just drove on I-5 yesterday from Portland. But I can say I want to be more like Paul. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to have my mind set on things above, not on things below. So would you forgive me, Lord, for my complaining, for my murmuring, for my disputing, for my grumbling and my arguing? And would you help us, Lord, who are believers here this morning to hold fast to the word of God? That we wouldn't run in vain. That our labor would return fruitfully. And if you're here this morning and you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to run with this one. I want to know his word. I don't want to be like the world anymore. I don't want to blend in. I don't want to do my own thing. I want to draw a circle and I want to stand in it and say, Lord, have your way in me. Forgive me of my sins. Take me as I am. Change me into the person you want me to be. If that's you this morning, you want to surrender your life to be revived in that way. Maybe it's to be regenerated, born again, saved and forgiven of your sins. Maybe it's so that way the Lord would take you right where you're at, sanctify you further and move you and develop you and equip you. If that's you who'd want that revival, would you right now raise up your hand with me and confess to the Lord, yes, Lord, do that in me in Jesus' name. 
Lord, my knee is bowed and my hand is up as well, and I draw a circle around myself. Would you revive me, Lord? Would you forgive me and make me that man like Paul who rejoices, Lord, at what is and what will be, who doesn't let anything stop him or sway him? Have your mercy upon us. If you need a filling of the Holy Spirit, just keep your hand up, put your hand up right now, say, Lord, anoint me to be a lover of the word, to appreciate it, to appropriate it, Lord, to duplicate it, to stand firm in this world. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done, all you're doing in the year 2022, Lord. Keep us strong. Lord, keep us grounded. Make us fruitful. Make us more like you. We love you, and we invite you into this church, Lord. Have your way in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Keep reading this word. Please read Romans 1 today. Grab the May reading plan. Get into God's word. Get God's word into you. Other than that, God bless you. You are dismissed. If you want more information about the school, email us at school at southbeachchurch.org. Other than that, we'll see you at one of the ministries this week. God bless you. You are dismissed.